Welcome to Get Right for Sunday, a podcast designed to prepare you for Sunday worship and beyond. And in today's episode, there's a couple of new things happening. First of all, as you notice, we have a video, but we also have a special guest to join us in the discussion of the texts for the third Sunday in Lent. It is Reverend Robert Brown. So please enjoy, and I pray that God blesses your time in the Word. Welcome to Get Right for Sunday. I am Pastor Wright. And I'm Vicar Leeper. And we have a special guest with us. It is the Reverend Robert Brown. Yes, it's good to be here with you guys. Thank you. I'm a first-time guest, uh, and it's, it was wonderful to be here. Uh, just a little background about myself. I grew up uh, here in the 618. Uh, I actually grew <laughs> up in a, in Troy, uh, so not too far from here. Uh, but um, grew up, went to Trinity Lutheran School. Uh, so I, I've been connected to the Lutheran schools for a while because I also went to Metro East Lutheran High mm-hmm. School. Uh, and then through Metro East Lutheran High School, I met my, my wife, Judy, uh, and she, uh, through her, I got connected here at Holy Cross. Uh, I've been connected here. We uh, started dating in 2009, uh, and so uh, I've been connected here for about 11 years. I became a member here in about 2014, uh, and from about 2014 uh, through 2020, I was a member here, and uh, through all my time at the seminary, I was a member here, yeah. and so... Uh, and, through Pastor Wright, uh, I got an well, opportunity. I think you were ordained here too, weren't I you? I was, yeah. yes. My ordination at the end happened here because uh, a lot of my training uh, happened here as well. Uh, you know, you have fieldwork churches and you have vicarages and, and a lot of your training happens there as well. Uh, but Pastor Wright, uh, there was no shortages no shortages of opportunities here. Yes. Uh, and so I am, uh, I'm very grateful for all the opportunity that I had here, the interaction I had with the congregation. Uh, and I know Vicar Leeper is, is enjoying his time here that I am, uh, yes, at Holy Cross. Yes. Uh, uh, and will be a wonderful pastor uh, going forward. Um, and so I attended the seminary from 2016 to 2020, and I took a call, and I'm currently at uh, Peace Lutheran Church uh, in South County uh, as the uh, associate pastor there. Uh, and I started there August 1st, and so I am what is it? I guess that makes that, what, month seven, month eight? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. So we are, uh, we're trucking right along. You know, yeah, haven't quite made it through a year yet. So yeah. I'm still, you know, the whole first year, you're still learning everything. Well, see, now so. every time you say something, you get to say, in my months of experience. <laughs> yes. And so I also bring greetings to everyone from Judy. Uh, there she says go. hi to everybody. Absolutely. Good, good. Uh-huh. Well, we are going to look at the texts for the third Sunday in Lent. Uh, You can listen to all those readings on the reading podcast that was dropped yesterday. And I would like to, first of all, thank Pastor Brown for coming and taking time out of your schedule to help us with the discussion of these texts. Because this is a fun text. It's an interesting text. And we really do get to see a a different side of Jesus that we we don't often talk about. I immediately think of all the pictures we have of Jesus, you know, calm, collected Jesus, nice Jesus, laughing Jesus, compassionate Jesus, but these are all nice things. Mm -hmm. We don't have a picture that we proudly display of Jesus with a whip and flipping table. Yeah, I don't think that's that's any of our stained glass windows. Yeah. (laughs) This this is emotional Jesus. This is zealous Jesus in a nutshell. I mean, he... uh, I, I, I joked before that this is my third favorite Jesus. <laughs> you got, you got uh, Lord Jesus, Savior Jesus, and then flipping table Jesus. I like it. And, so, and what do we do with this? Yeah. You know, it's it's so outside of, of what we 
have come to expect, whether that's accurate or inaccurate. Uh, so what do we do with this? How do we, yeah. how do we deal with this Jesus? Should we deal with this Jesus? Yeah, I always like that, uh, that question. You know, do we just mention it and then move on quickly to miracle Jesus or yeah. nice Jesus, laughing Jesus? I really like the epistle lesson and the first verse. It's St. Paul in 1 Corinthians, and he simply says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved is the power of God. And again, I, I like the idea, of course, Jesus is the power of God. He is full divine God in, uh, in of himself. And he acts in a very human way. I know I get angry. I know I get frustrated. I know when things aren't going the right way, I want to flip tables and so on and so forth. And I always want to invoke righteous anger. <laughs> yes. Um, I am fully sinful, I am fully marred, and I can't claim this righteous mm -hmm. anger. See, that's what I was going to say. I was actually going to challenge you. You said this is Jesus, you know, kind of acting human, and I actually think it's the other way around. I think this is Jesus acting like God. So you think it's his, his divinity that led him to do that? Right. Uh, if you look at... Um, how uh, God the Father in the Old Testament, you know, his his anger burns uh, against the Israelites, against the enemies of God. And that truly is righteous anger um, because he is God and he can have that anger of uh, his creation that's that's turned against him. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would actually argue this is the the zeal of of God mm -hmm. and it's Jesus uh, this is this is anger according to his divinity mm -hmm. not anger according to his humanity would be what, maybe what I would propose here see that, that's interesting because I mean what is human anger right I mean yeah. typically when we're angry we're angry for I don't know selfish reasons or personal reasons we're not typically angry you know on behalf of someone normally sure. uh, or anything like that you know like you think about what G that it's you go to verse 17 and it's zeal for your house will consume me you know i mean it, it is that zealousness for god that zealousness for mm -hmm. uh for the father that really drives jesus to do this and right so i think that's an interesting point about you know god's wrath in the old testament because it was you know, I mean, that's basically what it was, right? In the Old right. Testament, God's wrath was because of what the people were doing against mm. him. Right. And that's basically what you see here in the temple is what the people are doing against God's house. And see, uh, I'll go back and I'll push against, uh, not that... Yo, go for it. Uh, in Christ's humanity, the whole encompassing of Israel, the whole encompassing of what he does as the word made flesh yeah. in this action is to right what is wrong. Mm. And so that's where I go into the humanity aspect, which again, when we talk about the two natures of Christ, you never separate. Right. Right. So, we don't, we don't want to get too much right. into like, this is because of this and because of this and yeah. and this I, humanity I, wasn't here or right. divinity wasn't. No, it's, it's always Christ. Right. And, and I don't want to, to split hairs or say, yeah, we're talking about the same thing. I think according to his human nature, we get to see the divinity coming out. Mm. And so, yes, absolutely what you said, but now the encompassing of this is, why didn't anybody else do this? Right. Why is this the first time, and it might not be, but why is this the first time somebody noticed that people, the Pharisees are making, the money changers are making money off of this holy place, this holy situation. And of course, 
God can do this. And not only is it his divinity, but it is also his humanity, the compassion, the zeal, the movement. Uh, let's go back to Jesus as a 12-year-old. Uh, his parents leave him and they find him at the temple. Mm -hmm. Why were you looking for me? Don't you know I am a I sh would be found in my father's house. The other the other event Jesus has that challenges our thinking. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of you know, you know, like a lot this is another one of those texts that people often look at and they're like, Well, he sinned. Yeah. You know, like, you know, we because right. the whole thing of Jesus with the perfect life. This similar to the one you just brought up when mm -hmm. he was twelve years old. This is another one of those texts that people are like, "Oh, well, obviously sin." I mean, anger. You know, I mean, it's right yeah. there. Well, and again, going back to to my earlier statement, you know, uh, when I'm angry, it's okay. Nobody else can get angry. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, but no righteous anger. And I think you're you're absolutely right, Vicar Leaper. That comes only from God mm -hmm. in his divinity. Jesus in his humanity can act like this because Jesus is divine in his humanity yeah. as he is human in his divinity. Right. Not, again, not that I want to work to squish it together to prove my point, but it is the exercising of that divinity in the human nature, which is interesting. Yeah. And going back to the, the question at hand, how do we deal with this Jesus? Yeah. And, and I, I love it because, again, does this mean that we're supposed to be turning tables and whipping people? It'd <laughs> well, be an interesting sermon. It'd be a very interesting sermon. You really well, motivate some people. Yeah. <laughs> stay, stay, stay awake during my sermon. That's right. You know, I think I do actually have a, a whip at home if you want me to bring it next Maybe. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you think about, you know, you had brought up uh, how no one noticed what was going on. Yeah. And or I, at least no one spoke up about no it. No one spoke up. Actually, maybe that's even a better point. Yeah. Maybe people noticed, but no one was willing to speak up. About yeah, I, I like that. Um, I mean, you think about what what's going on here. It's the Passover, right? You know, I mean, that's when you're supposed to remember the deliverance. Right. Uh, Travelers that, from all over are coming, mm -hmm. not locals. But now let me throw this in here. Uh, I, I think this has become a process. And I really like the idea that um, maybe people noticed this, but weren't willing to, to say anything. This didn't happen overnight. It wasn't one Passover, everything was beautiful and right. The next Passover, the um, money changers set up shop. This was a progression. This built up and it became normal. I read something somewhere that uh, during Passover, the amount of lambs sacrificed was so much that blood ran out of the temple ankle deep. In order to do that, you have to have a process. You have to be able to, it becomes a machine yeah. almost. Mm -hmm. You know, you stand in line, I do this, you do that, next. I do this, you do that, next. Huh. And so, and I think this is interesting. And going back to something that you brought up before we started recording, mm -hmm. you know, where is the correlation to today? today. Right. And let, let's make this, is church a process? Yeah. Is church just an event? Are the um, sacraments just the thing that we do within? Well, and, and I'll add to that. One of my favorite words that I haven't brought up in a while um, is church transactional. Oh, yeah. yeah. Is is oh, church yeah. a, a process of trading one thing for another um, where, you know, I give, I get. Mm -hmm. I think um, that's what a lot of people think of it as because right. that's how we run. I mean, that's how society is, right? I mean, right. We live in a society where – you know, I give you money, you give me something, or I give you, or I yeah. give you a service, you give me something. You know, like we do this exchange thing. Customer service. Um, yeah. And well, and, and with this, though, you know, you got to think about it. You know there's people coming to Passover and coming to temple in general 
that forgot their sacrifice or just assumed that they could get it there. So, you know, selling and buying within this setting can't be wrong in of itself. Yeah. Right, because you got to buy, you know, a lamb if you didn't bring one from right. home. Or, right. or, or find a way to share, you know, so on and so forth. There is some transaction, mm-hmm. and I think it goes back to what is the motivation behind this? Right, and and kind of looking at what is Jesus angry at? Yeah. And I think, what it what is what about this is causing this righteous anger to burn this zeal for for God's house mm-hmm. and we can look at his own words here so we've got these you know people who are selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and these money changers are there he makes the whip he drives them out and he pours out all the coins and um, what he says is take these things away do not make my father's house a house of trade. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there's probably a lot of ways to try to understand what Jesus is saying here. But what I kind of hear, A, the play on words, mm-hmm. the father's house, the house of trade, the market, mm-hmm. um, in that it, it sounds like what Jesus is saying is you've changed the character of what this is. Yeah, You've, you've changed this from one house to a different house. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you're after is not the father, what you're after is trade. What you're after the is the money. Yeah. What's in it for me? Right. Well, and that's what, see, and that's what led me to that question of what's the equivalent today mm-hmm. of this, because you see this kind of play out, you know, because again, you get to, you know, you bring up Martin Luther in the 16th century and the Catholic church had done the same thing. They had turned the church into this house of trade. Well, and the indulgences that, that come up a lot, you know, yeah, they, was... They took repentance. Yeah. They took a specific teaching, you know, mm-hmm. repentance, and basically turned it into, you give me, you give me this amount of money. Yeah, it was, it was transactional. Thing, yeah. And you are forgiven. And they basically cared more about getting money than they did about whether or not people actually repented of their sins. And, and the transactional nature of that, the, the reason that's so offensive... Uh, especially to Jesus here, but also thinking of the Reformation too. The reason that's such a big problem is not like, oh, these people are profiting. The problem is the gospel is the most anti-transactional thing that exists. Yes. The whole point is that this is freely given for nothing. That there's nothing we can do. Yeah. At all. There's nothing we can give. There's nothing we can trade. There's nothing that we can offer. But Jesus died undeservingly mm-hmm. for our sins to give us forgiveness that we neither earned nor traded for. Well, before before we go too far on that one, there's a gorilla in the room that we haven't addressed. Ooh. And it's the Exodus reading. Yes. The deliverance of the Ten, the Ten Commandments. That's true. Which really then shows exactly what Vicar Leeper was saying. Here's all the commands go forth and do them perfectly. Mm-hmm. Well, Jesus, I can't. I know. That's why I have come. Stop trying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, now this divulges into the transaction, the let me sell you something, let's bring you in, let's right. do this service. Mm-hmm. You do this, I do this. And now we have worked to buy our way. We have worked to earn our way. And we're losing the center of what the temple is all about, what the church is all about, and what Christ has come to usher in. Mm -hmm. And I would like to go to um, just push us a little bit further, especially on the transactional side. You you got the great great reversal, Mm. that there is a transaction, and it's, as Vicar Leeper was saying, it's totally undeserved. And we can't buy it, and yet it's still given. Mm -hmm. Right. There is still a transaction, innocence, for me, mm-hmm. C- cleaning for me, 
I can't give you anything to earn this. I can't say, hey, take my sin. This is freely done in and through Christ. Right. And I, I think the money changers really lay this great imagery out that that's what we want to do. We want that transactional. We want to be in participation of our salvation. Look, Jesus, I'm doing this. Yeah. Can't oh, you exactly. see how good how I am? How many people today still try right. to, or still believe they have to do something right. to earn Jesus' love, to earn their salvation? Yeah. And that, But now I'm going I'm to uh, put it in context to the church. Look, I'm doing this in the church, so it has to be okay. Yeah. Right. You know, the, the money changers, we're, we're providing this great thing within the temple. We're making things easy, convenient for you. Form a justification. Yep. And, well, I, and we're I great that's, at it. That's exactly it. I think, you know, Pastor Brown made a great point here because like, why would people want to live in this system? Mm-hmm. Uh, why would you want to live in a system where you have to give something to get something? Why would, wouldn't we want, like we love free things. Why, yeah. why would we want to do this? Uh-huh. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head is, um, we want to be the makers of our own justification. Yeah. And that's so important. We actually will pay money to do that. Yep. Yes. <laughs> we actually <Yep>. will. Yes. <laughs> we will give things up to be in control. Yes. We will give things up. And the reason is because then the certainty of it yep. rests on me. Well, and which, I can control me. Which then goes back to like basically the core problem we have as people. And that's our human nature. In mm-hmm. fact, we want to like... We want to be God. Yeah. Right. You know, we want to be in control. We don't want to be necessarily just with God. We want to be the one in control. We want to be God, you know, and it goes all the way back to that deception. Right. uh, That was brought in with the first sin. Mm -hmm. Well, and you brought up the Ten Commandments. What's the first one? You shall have no other gods before Before me. Including yourself. Including (laughs) yourself. Especially including yourself. Yes, especially. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just, you know, objects. It's, it's yourself is really what that's you know, addressing. Well, and I actually think, and I'm just, I'm just kind of thinking this, I'm actually realizing this changes how we view Jesus's anger because it it doesn't just mean that his anger is something for anger's sake, that it is this, you know, this, this anger that, that drives people out because this is wrong, but it's actually to bring something good in. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just the driving out of these money changers, but it's to bring back the gifts of God to bring back the father's house. And I think this is really shown by what Jesus says immediately after this. Yes. In our reading, it's not just, you know, Jesus driving these guys out of the temple and then that's that's right, it. Right, that's just where it starts. Um, <laughs> but actually, uh, he starts talking about the the destroying of the temple, which is very scandalous to these, these oh, Jewish yeah. people. And it's kind of strange because Jesus just showed so much care for the temple yeah. that he drove these people out. And now he's saying it's going to be destroyed. But what he says is that in three days, it's going to be rebuilt. It's going to be raised back up. And what the disciples don't realize yet, but they will later, is he's talking about himself. Right. Uh, he's driving out these guys, this, this anger event, but he's also doing this for the purpose of giving something, for becoming the temple himself and giving salvation freely without any money changers, without any sacrifices, except himself, uh, freely given to all of these people. And I I think that kind of changes what this anger is. is It's not just anger for anger's sake, but it's actually anger for our benefit. Mm -hmm. Uh, This this righteous anger to restore. Which ties in really well with how you tied it to the Old Testament earlier in God's wrath. God's wrath was not just... God's wrath out of anger for right. just just for the sake of it. It was really actually for the benefit of the people because God would do those things. And then what would they do? They'd repent and they'd turn back to him. 
and then they eventually fall back away again. But again it was again. this cycle. Right. Right. And well, I think this is so hard for us because we don't have a great model of righteous anger, you know, ourselves. Yeah. Like when we encounter anger, uh, it's often not for our benefit. No. And if someone is telling us that it is, honestly, I might think they're being abusive. Mm-hmm. Like if someone's being angry, angry at me and then they're like, this is for your benefit that I'm angry, uh, they're probably like abusing me. Well, you know, taking both these statements and let's put it under the um, umbrella of discipline. Yeah. You know, discipline and kind of going on what you were saying, uh, it's for the benefit. It's so that I'll learn, so that I'll be better. But we can also take this discipline the wrong way and now it's punishment. Right. And where does this anger come from? And it can be both. Mm -hmm. And uh, these money changers are definitely getting punishment in their discipline. How do they receive it? We, we, right. don't know. we don't know. But then as you were saying, Dr. Leeper, the whole idea of this anger to bring in and usher in. And I, I like the idea that it frankly changes the focus. Mm. So this physical building as beautiful and wonderful and there is a real purpose, uh, you know, God throughout the Old Testament, I will connect, I promise to be here. Right. But let's change the focus. It's not just here what is given and delivered here freely, not transactional. And Jesus changes the focus. And the disciples, the Pharisees, nobody gets it. And and not because they're they're dumb or anything. That is a huge statement that doesn't make sense, especially as you just painted the, the, the picture. He's standing in the temple right. and says, destroy this temple. Nobody's looking at Jesus and saying, oh, yeah, of course he's no, talking they're looking about, at the physical building. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and the, the physical building will be destroyed right. in it like 78 Yeah, it's a little bit later. But I, I like that idea. Again, the, the, the shifting of focus. And this event takes place early in his ministry. And he's still establishing himself. And we have to remember, Jesus is a polarizing person. Right. And not that he's going out of his way to, to upset the apple cart. He's bringing restoration Mm-hmm. And that always hurts mm-hmm. because we get very comfortable in the things that we do. Or let it be our sins. Yep. Let it be in our blind spots, so on and so forth. Again, I well, think we don't like being told. We don't like being told we're wrong. Right. You know, right. we don't like being told that we're doing something wrong. You know, that's why you brought up the word discipline. Like, I mean, we hate discipline. Oh yeah. Because discipline means you did something. In yeah. least our mind, you did something wrong. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And, and it's that's, for your good. Exactly. No, I yeah, I was fine before. You know. And that's not something we enjoy. No. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's also similar. I mean, you think about it, it's why we don't often like asking people for forgiveness, you know, mm-hmm. and like often mm-hmm. saying we're sorry yeah. because it's admitting that we did something wrong to yeah. somebody. Well, I, I think that's even why, like, you know, I was doing some premarital counseling with someone recently yeah. and, uh, you know, it's hard even to, to say the words, I forgive you to the other person because that like by doing that, you're acknowledging that what they did was wrong. Mm. But by doing that, by going through that that pain of acknowledging that we were wrong, that they were wrong, uh, by doing that, the reward is is forgiveness. The reward is actual reconciliation, instead of like looking the other way and pretending it's okay. Yeah. I, I like that imagery because again, we have restoration. We have Jesus ushering in something different, which is kind of funny because it's not like. He didn't say this was going to happen, not the the money-changing, table-flipping event. But from the moment sin entered into the world, has God not promised restoration? Mm -hmm. Has God not promised, I will be there to fix, complete, and restore? Mm -hmm. And then Jesus shows up and everybody's, what are you doing? And and I love that. 
Because we still do that today. Yeah. Jesus, what are you doing? I think we discount the radicalness of Jesus. Yeah. Like he was so different than, than, than everybody else in what he was doing. And that's why, you know, the disciples looked at him and were like, I have n- like, I'm intrigued by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm willing to follow you and try to figure out who you are, but I have no idea what you're saying. I have no idea what you're doing. Uh, and then, then you had the Pharisees uh, and the, and the religious leaders who, for them, they just saw Jesus messing up everything that they that they loved so much because we just right. talked about the discipline thing. Um, and they're over here trying to do the right thing. They're over here trying to follow with how they see God's yes. yeah. rules. And, and Jesus is over here telling yeah. them, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Like, you're, you're just doing it wrong. And, and for them, it wasn't, oh, let's follow Jesus. They were still intrigued by Jesus. They right. still want to know who he was and what he's doing and by what authority he has the power to do anything that he's yeah, doing. They ask a lot of questions, yeah. They do. And, but their goal eventually is just to, you know, it leads all the way to them eventually just being like, okay, we got to get rid of this guy. Yeah. Um, which, which brings kind of the end, you know, this last verse of the text, you know, when did the disciples, you know, finally understand what Jesus was doing and who Jesus was? And that was not until after Jesus was raised from the dead. Yeah. No, not until after the resurrection. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really big deal because that's where we live. Yeah. We live in the New Testament after the resurrection. Yeah. The light bulb of faith, so to speak, goes off for us just as it goes off for the disciples. Yeah. And yes, we may know the, the whole story because we got to read the Old Testament. We got to read the events as they were eyewitnessed. And now we live in the result. Mm-hmm. We can't throw the disciples under the bus because right. as it says in Scripture, after they saw all the dots connected. Well, mm-hmm. that, and that's the thing. So like, you know, we often think about ourselves, right, in terms of, you know, oh, all we have, to, all we can do is read it. Well, you think about the disciples. They experienced mm, right. what was going on. They, they didn't understand. And even they had to go back after yeah. the resurrection and be like, oh, yeah, that's what you were doing. That's what he was doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I understand it now. Like, So even they had to go back. Right. You know, And just like we, we understand it post-resurrection. The disciples didn't even understand until post-resurrection. Yeah. I think that's a really good point and a really good reminder of like kind of the process that we're in. Uh, in in growing and learning more about who this this Jesus is, and we may find things that surprise us, like this gospel reading this this week. And uh, I, I think instead of, as I said at the beginning, instead of trying to deal with it, mm-hmm. I think instead we let it deal with us. Uh, we let it kind of work on us by uh, looking at what Jesus is doing, what he was doing then, what he's still doing now, um, and realizing. That might change us, and that's scary. Yeah, I would like to just ask a question and just let it hang. Yeah. The whole idea that if Jesus was to literally come into Holy Cross, come into peace, come into our personal lives, what tables would he be flipping over? And I really like the idea, instead of us dealing with the event, that event being dealt with, Right. upon us. And I think it changes everything because now our sacred cows, our idols, our um, self-righteous desires mm-hmm. really get to see the exposure of God's light. Yeah. Which I think leads us, I mean, to the end of our epistle lesson, mm-hmm. which is exactly where I think this all goes. And it's, and because of him, you're in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Yeah. I think that's a great reminder that uh, Jesus has come to kill mm-hmm. our idols yes. yeah. and to replace them with the true God. Yeah.
which is for our benefit. Exactly. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, please share it with a friend or family member. And feel free to continue today's conversation by contacting Pastor Wright and Vicar Leeper at GetRightForSunday at gmail.com. Services at Holy Cross Lutheran Church are 6 p.m. Saturday and 8 and 10.30 on Sunday. That 8 o'clock service is live streamed on our Facebook page and our website. Midweek Lenten worship is this Wednesday at 4 o'clock. Thank you, Pastor and Vicar, and thank you for joining us. Join us again next week for Get Right for Sunday.